0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change?
1: Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes.
3: <laughs> All right. Yeah, I know.
4: This is Dumpty Dum sponsored by managers.
5: Ah, get ready, everyone! That's nearly midnight. Three, two, here she goes. That's
6: This is Dumpty Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings-on of Ambridge. It's P&Q here, Philippa Hall, your unofficial right-hand woman.
7: And Quentin Rayner, conflicted but in a hairnet all the
6: same. Tagging along the shiftiest and dodgiest bunch you can imagine, you lot, our lovely rabble of Dumpty Dummers. This week's Dumpty Dum Tune final outing is from our Stephen Bowden. Fantastic. And we're lucky enough to hear thoughts from Rob, Millie Molly Mandy, Dusty Substances, Big Sister Helen, With a Spoon, Brian, Claire from Clapham, Glyn Richard, Sarah from Smetvick, and Annie Plus, Tweet of the Week, Facebook Roundup, predictions for next week. My goodness, marvellous. But if you wanted further proof that Quentin will do absolutely anything to get out of writing the script for the week in Ambridge, this time he's gone beyond the call of duty. He's got Stephen Fry to join us. (laughs) Bravo, Quentin. Well done. <laughs>
7: That's the, the lengths I'll go to. The lengths I'll go to, shall
6: <laughs> <I promise. laughs> Well, the lovely caller in us, the tweet of the week and so on, will follow after the interview. It is going to be a bit of a bumper episode. But without further ado, let's hear from Stephen now. This week, we've managed to enlist the help of a wonderful archers devotee to mull over all matters Ambridge with us.
7: Yes, uh, Adam might have moaned about commuting 10 miles, but this man's 5,000 miles away in Los Angeles, for goodness sake. It's our great pleasure to welcome Stephen Fry onto Dumpty Dum. Welcome, Stephen. It's a delight to be here. Thank you for asking me. L.A., uh, well, I've got to ask the obligatory question here. Well, what's the weather like, uh, Stephen, because we've had snow here? Well, actually,
8: fantastic. Uh, Last week, it poured with rain at a rate that really was quite terrifying, uh, but which California needed, as I'm sure you may be aware. Mm -hmm. There's been a drought past few years and so there is now at least a heavy snowpack in uh, in the north of the state and uh, the reservoirs are a little bit fuller but we could do with another another dose of it I believe I'm beginning to sound like the weather forecaster Uh, I'm going to come up with a few agricultural tips for those growing almond Trees at other Californian (laughs) farmers. I can't imagine a Californian version of the arches. Can you? It would
7: be very different.
6: Oh, that—that's interesting. yes to think about that one.
7: (laughs) Why are you in LA so much, Stephen? Um, Well, I have a place here, so uh,
8: and I like being here, and it's nice to to write. And but also, uh, I've been doing some. Dramas and filming. And uh, as you know, that's a thing they do in Los Angeles. So uh, I quite happily come out here. It's been, you know, a, a strange time, of course, for filming, as it has been for recording radio series, as the Archers crew will tell you, I'm sure. Uh, every, everything yeah. all a bit strange. Uh, it yeah. went through, the Archers didn't it, during lockdown, some mm-hmm. interesting phases of monologues and uh, different ways of trying to keep the ship uh, afloat and and that's what we've all been trying to do in our own ways whether we're in show business or any business is mm. just keeping afloat i guess
6: the way they've improved the technology has been uh, incredible because even now some of the actors can be sort of in isolation and yet you you can't tell that it's seamless it's superb
8: absolutely right i mean and and that is the key isn't it is how technology has, has helped people um mm. And those who've had access to it have been able to have pretty normal lives, I suppose. Is the mm. uh, uh, there was an annoying phrase people used uh, at the start of this where they said, everyone's in the same boat. Uh, and I always wanted to scream, no, they're on the same sea, but some are in pretty leaky, <laughs> rickety vessels <laughs> and some are in super yachts. We have to remember that. It isn't the same yeah. for everybody. Those of us have been lucky enough to have some semblance of work uh I guess, should remind
7: ourselves how fortunate we are. Mm. Well, yeah. well, Stephen, I, I can confident, confidently say that you are definitely the first guest we've had on Dumpty Dum, who owns a tie with the name of our podcast on it. <laughs> yes, it's <that's> absolutely <laughs> right. I, uh, I, a couple of years ago
8: when the lockdown began, I started this uh, series of um Fry's Ties, it was called on Instagram, which I photographed a tie and uh, uh, talked about it each day, and it became a bit of a thing. And so I mm. produced a book as a result and included in the book and in the Instagram series was my proud Archer's Addicts tie. Is the Archer's <laughs> Addicts still going as a as, yeah. a, as a fan club? Um because I joined it in the eighties, I think.
6: Yes, there are quite a few different fan clubs now. You'd be amazed how many groups there are, from academic archers to to all sorts. And uh, uh, yeah, it's amazing how many people yeah. love listening to the archers and come together as a community. Yeah.
7: The, the, in yeah. fact, the the academic archers would like you to join so they can have a classical debate with you about the archers.
8: Oh, that's a lovely thought, the Sagittarii. <laughs> I guess we'd have to call it. We the Latin for archers or toxophilists.
7: <laughs> well, I think I think a lot of our listeners would like to see a face-off between you and Professor Jim.
8: <laughs> I'm sure we're more in common
7: than we are. <laughs> Separators. How do you fancy your chances against Jim? <laughs> oh, I'd be in real trouble. I have
8: to be the I'll definitely admit. I, there was a time where I wanted to be. Uh, one of those off off stage Archer's characters, like uh, uh, and so I tried to th- think of myself as the scapegrace nephew of Bert Fry, um, <laughs> who <went> had <laughs> <to> run away <laughs> as a child and uh, gone to oh, London, and apparently yeah. something to do with them, or oh, you know, been acting things, or all that stuff. And <laughs> <laughs> again, I would come and, come and visit him, but sadly, Bert, as we know, has uh, has been gathered. Yes,
7: yeah, sadly. A barn in the sky. We we need a fry. Um, we need a fry back in the arches, and we were talking about this yeah, the other his day. Son we need... son turns out to be, perhaps <laughs> <laughs> I am as
8: well, a rattling bore. It was one of the most cold weeks, wasn't it? A it few was. weeks ago, when yes, when Bert Fry's nephew, our son rather, came to uh, came to tidy up the cottage and uh, Trevor had yeah. to be. <laughs> <And> they, <laughs> <laughs> they entertained him <laughs> at the ball and had a kind of relay of people who were yeah. to sit with him. What was they had a Badger. That's it, badger was the Badger,
6: yeah.
8: <laughs> it was really, very well written. They've got some marvellous writers at the moment, I think. It's May in have, a very, yeah. very good shape, The Archers. I mean, it's always something you can dip into and dip out of, especially if you travel around the world a bit and um, can't always be there at lunchtime or evening or even there for the Sunday omnibus. There's, It's a, a tremendous skill the writers have to allow one back in sometimes after months or even years of absence and there are new characters and and somehow you you find yourselves picking up who they are and what their relationships are and it's amazing how fast that is there's a kind of maybe one episode or one and a half episodes of a little bit of bewilderment is, who, who is Bethany again, you say to yourself? Or um, how many bleeding carters are there? And, you know, whatever the question might be. But but somehow it, it just, um, you know, it's, it balances out and, and you, you, you're back in the groove.
6: I, I think the scriptwriters are very generous as well. With Mike returning oh, over the last couple of weeks, there has been some... Um, background sort of chat to catch perhaps new listeners up or people who've forgotten who Mike is, yes, On the carrot, right. so, just...
8: so yes, rather cleverly, we have him going round to all the different families doing <laughs> yes. an odd job, yes. leaving his poor family <laughs> to twiddle <laughs> their thumbs while he mends the For clock. cake, yes, yeah, I mean, he's Actually, mending the For flapjacks you know, and cake, yes. flapjacks, cake, everything, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Well, I, you know, he, he's a type, and there are people, and I, I sometimes wonder, I'm one myself, who kind of can't relax socially properly. They'd rather be working, or, or without saying they'd rather be working, mm. give themselves jobs to do, and then expect to be praised for working hard while the rest of the family... I can remember my father was like this, you know. He'd work all—you know on Christmas Day, he'd work all the time. He was a scientist, so he could... You know, there's always something for him to do. And mm. if one even thought of saying, can't you? He'd say, well, I'm, um, who am I working for? For you,
6: yeah. you know? Yeah, <laughs> you, busy, busy.
8: And you, actually, the answer was he was working for himself and, of course, for us in the, in the technical sense, <laughs> it's earning money for the family. But, uh, mm. And maybe Mike's a bit like that. Maybe he just can't, you know, settle.
6: But Stephen, before we go on, we need to establish your archer's credentials. So can I ask, what is your earliest memory? Of uh, of listening,
8: I, I can. It's it's not only my earliest memory of the archers; it's one of my earliest memories. Really, is my mother in the, sitting at the dining room table with a typewriter, typing something, goodness knows what. She she was a historian. Well, she read history at university and 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 used to teach history around that time. Um, and I was I'm sitting under her chair, so I can see her legs, and I can hear the typewriter. And I can hear the archers. And She's got that on as she's typing. And it's such a strong memory. I, I can picture the room. I mean, I must have been two and a half, three, maybe something like that. But it's a very clear memory. Um, and since that time, the archers has been part of my life. And I suppose that theme tune and the idea of it um, has been firmly connected with the nest, with home, with a sense of, you know, a sense of belonging. Mm. Uh, it's a cheesy sentimental thing but a lot of people who love The Archers mm. have that feeling about it and we can talk endlessly I suppose about the nature of a village community and how something like social media has completely ripped that out from most of our lives that we no longer have this sense of physical village where, where there are you know there's a pub and a post office and a little shop and you stop you meet people who are on their way to one or the other and say how are you and oh have you heard mrs so-and-so all our gossip is now virtual all our all our communication seems to be virtual um and there's something quite funny about going back in time to the archers which is of course present and tries to be as up to date as possible I'm, I, I noted some hilarious lines recently Adam says to Susan when they're waiting for the uh, for the yogurt um, uh, yogurt factory (laughs) (laughs) testing. He says, "You got this." <laughs> Susan, which is like some dumb Peloton advert <laughs> You got this You smashed it out of the park You know, all these kind of awful phrases that once they've got into the archers they're basically mum phrases and young people will never use ever again <laughs> because oh my god they're being used on the archers and, um, and so it is yeah, it is of course you know, when people have their little ringtones and use the phone but fortunately there's very little very little of, will you get off that, uh, will you get off Instagram, please, or stop yeah. TikToking, you know, the, that, that is left out of the Archer's Dialogue. You're quite I'm right. To say. it's The one thing that's least realistic about it is that people are actually getting on having lives rather than mm. uh, being trapped inside
7: the street. <laughs> did did you, know, do you know what a HACCP procedure was? You know, they kept. Running. No, that was a new one on me.
8: I was very <laughs> impressed with Adam knowing it, and uh, poor old Susan didn't like it being mansplained, and the idea that she was then assumed to be the. I <laughs> oh, she, she wasn't happy.
7: No, she wasn't happy. she was. How how relieved were you to, to hear that uh, Amy hadn't drunk those bottles? Uh, uh, Alice, Alice sorry, Alice, had, yes. yeah, Alice hadn't had drunk the
8: It was Alice and Amy because it's AA. It?
9: Um, <laughs> uh, well. Uh,
8: yeah, I mean, it, it it's a terrific thread that's happening and, of course, it's an appropriate time, I guess, after Christmas, a, a time when people start thinking about should I be addressing my drinking or my eating or whatever habit it is. We're, we're all sort of uh, likely to do that at the time of New Year and New Year's resolutions and so on. And obviously the whole Alice thread and the ghastliness of Rory's um, utterly cold, unforgiving... Goodbye to her. I mean, that was that sent shivers down the spine. And uh, I know some people will say that what she said to him was uh, inexcusable, or, or in his words, unforgivable. But I don't believe anything's unforgivable. And it really saddened me to 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 hear that. And I thought he was a brute to her, an absolute brute. I mean, mm. he had the opportunity to be so kind and thoughtful and forgiving. But mm. <laughs> um, it certainly made for good drama. Uh, and and of course. On top of that, the the crisp divorce, um, those two mm-hmm. things, I'm sure we all thought the same thing, she's going to go back to the bottle. Yeah. So when the episode ended on Tuesday, was it, where she she says, oh, and two bottles of vodka, please. Yes. <laughs> we all thought, oh, hell. Um, so good good on Amy.
7: I put a rude tweet out about that, actually. I thought, oh, for God's sake, not again. Not again. I can't go through this again. Um,
10: no. But, uh, yes.
8: And- yeah, I'm I'm not a religious person, but I must say I'm I'm a great admirer of the Franks family, isn't it? They're called. Uh yes. Alan I'm, Yeah. Alan and Amy. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I I like the Alan and Usha um uh, <laughs> misunderstanding around Christmas where everyone thought <laughs> that she had left him. But and of course he had to explain uh, to uh, Harrison had uh, to forget oh, yes. uh, explain about being on the cross. And and I thought that was a very interesting a piece of theology there. I mean, he could have gone further, frankly, because there's Harrison thinking, I'm not worthy to go on the cross. Yes. He uh, said, so, well, that's exactly what Christ said <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in the Garden of Gethsemane. Take yes. this cup away yeah. from me. I don't want to taste its poison. Um, and and so, you know, I, I, I like I like it when the archers does that. I mean, it's not, it, you know... <sighs> course it's not hard hitting drama it's not there to be uh, um, you know it's 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 kind of about the stability that's possible in a community and you can regard that as absurdly mm-hmm. old fashioned because no, almost no one we know lives a life of that kind of except they do my mother does she lives in a in in Norfolk in a, in, in a rural sort of area it's a, it's a small town a market town within that, so it's, it's more of a Borchester than an Ambridge now, that we used to live in, 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 a, in an Ambridge, as it were, and yes, people pop round, people talk about local things, and do you know, I, I mean, this is a separate subject, but we, we talk about how there's a crisis of misinformation in the world, but I wonder if it isn't just a crisis of information, we just all know too much, mm. and that the beauty of a village is,
11: mm.
8: and there's a callous element to it. In in past centuries, we didn't know if there had been a, an earthquake in China or a, a bloody revolution in Portugal or whatever it was in which innocent people died and there was something to wring your hands about and say, you know. And so in that sense, we were careless because we knew nothing of what was going on around the rest of the world. But it also meant we didn't kind of drive ourselves crazy worrying about Everything in the world that, about mm. which we could do almost nothing people just concentrated on their little patch yeah this is you know it could be a, as small as not even a whole county I mean I grew up in in, in, in Norfolk in and met hum, probably hundreds of people who'd never been to london yeah uh, and and most of them had never been yeah. outside. Uh, Norfolk. And, and and indeed, I knew a, a couple of old ladies who'd only been to Norwich once. Oh, well, I went to Norwich. I didn't like <laughs> it. <laughs> I was too busy, you know. And, and, and it was fantastic to think of these lives lived. I mean, it's like Thomas Gray's Elegy in a country churchyard, you know, these these flowers, you know, blooming in, in as it were, a desert. Um, but they're not wasting their fragrance on the desert air. They're living full lives, but it's we're just no longer capable almost of of thinking of a life being full unless it's urban and connected and and so on. We have more information but we're less informed. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm.
6: But with the archers, it's I almost feel helpless with the information that they give me or don't give me, because I'm always trying to work out what they're hiding. You know, I didn't spot Philip Moss um, when Rob first arrived. Yes. I didn't realise what of was course. what lay ahead. And so now, when, with every character, I'm sort of overanalyzing. You know, I think Joy's in witness protection. <laughs> <laughs>
8: yes, yeah, I know what you mean. And, and of course, there's that uh, thing that is common to all soaps, and if we can. Use the de- apparently derogatory term "soap." I don't <laughs> mind it. Um, all continuing dramas, as they like to say in the award ceremonies, um, is the the scene where someone comes in and and so they go, uh, Debbie. There's something I've got to tell you. Oh, I'm just I'm just boiling the kettle. Yes, it's really important. Will you have a biscuit? No, I've got to oh. do you believe what I've got to tell <laughs> you. Oh, that reminds me. Did
9: you hear a nigga? Will you yeah. stop and listen? She's got <laughs> something to tell you.
8: It's, it, 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 it <laughs> it's is. just maddening it how is. people won't say, okay, come on, because you've got <laughs> to stretch it oh. out. Yeah. So there's a lot of that. <laughs>
6: well, Stephen, it's it's fair to say that dum uh, dummers around the world are, are very excited about your appearance on the podcast. So I think, as we've already mentioned to you, if it's all right, we'd – we would like to sprinkle in some of their Archer's questions as we go along. Of course.
7: Well, uh, Stephen, we need to get down to brass tacks straight away uh, with this one from B.B. Uh, McCallan at Cherry Aimless on Twitter. And she wants to know this, Stephen. Where exactly were you... When Nigel fell off the roof.
8: Oh gosh, that was a moment. Because you know, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm friends with Graham Seed. I saw, in fact, I saw him the other uh, other week at a party just before Christmas uh, when I was still in London. And uh, Graham Seed played Nigel Partridge, as I'm sure yeah. I remember. And he was mm. totally upset, yeah. of
5: course. He was <laughs> he, he, saying he's,
8: he's, to me. He, there's something going to happen, so <laughs> and I was going, okay. So I can't tell you. I want to tell you. And I'm going. All right, all right. And yes, I was in Norfolk. I was at home in Norfolk, listening to the radio. Nothing very exciting, but I do remember it. Right. It is, of course, one of those moments like yeah. you know like the jolene in the shower or for the older generation my mother's generation grace in the barn which is of course one of the moments in all radio yeah. history when grace archer died mm. in a fire and, um uh mm. yeah yes nigel's fall was a a, a bold and extraordinary thing it, uh, it just for for those listening it wasn't because graham the actor who who, who played Nigel, was hated by the rest of the cast and the production, and so they thought, let's get rid of him. Because, you know, you sometimes think that, don't
7: you? <laughs> when the character goes, well, oh, I wonder <laughs> if they didn't like the actor. And it really was. Yes. It wasn't that. He's a lovely well, guy. Well, st- Stephen, we've had um, Tim Bendig on, who plays David. Yes, I know David him well. Um, and <laughs> he suggested to us that David pushed him.
8: <laughs> I know, I've heard that theory Cause d- 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 um, Tim also has a um, uh, Lives in in Norfolk uh, uh, And uh, so I occasionally occasionally Bump into him and his wife Judy He's a lovely fellow, Tim Bentink And as you know, uh, a fine actor Didn't you love how David Archer yeah. um, Channelled uh, Brian blessed as Herod in <laughs> <laughs> Oh
6: yes he's oh, miss- amazing <laughs>
8: yeah. and Tim actually has a, has a great deal of work as a, a very respected voice actor in in films very often he does a lot of voices in um in what's known as looping or dubbing um, uh, you know when you need voices off camera and you need uh, you know crowd and, and and some figure just making a noise off camera you can do so many different voices he's he's an immensely talented fellow and technically very talented he does record here with the recording and so on he he can do all the uh he can run a studio and do all the software and all that sort of thing. amazing chap, and uh and, and a great a great figure i mean the Anybody who lives in the country knows a David Archer. That's slightly gloomy, slightly sulky, yes. but he will come out at three in the morning in his tractor to pull you out of, out of a ditch. Yes. If you, you know what I mean? A really good soul, yes. but just a bit
7: sort of farmery. if you know what I mean. It, it, it's he, he's, in, he's in my um, uh, dull but decent brigade. <laughs> yeah, there are quite a few characters. Yeah. <laughs>
6: It's the tortuous sighs he does when he's being told off by his mother that I I enjoy. But um, Patricia has a question about episodes, and this is one I was going to ask you. Do you prefer the omnibus or the daily editions? And she adds, or perhaps both, like me?
8: Um, Actually, like you, probably both. In the old days, I didn't like the omnibus so much. I was a bit, I would say scared of it, but if it was Sunday, (laughs) some of the older listeners may remember that... uh, Tom Forrest, who was a, a, a long-running character in the early days of the Archer, used to introduce the omnibus. Um, it had a slightly different theme tune, as it does now. It has a wonderful folk uh, version now, doesn't it? Wonderful mm. sort of uh, violin, scrapy kind of uh, uh, version of, of 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 the of the Barwick Green, the theme tune. But in the old days, it had an accordion version uh, for the omnibus. And Tom Forrest would have a little monologue saying, well, you know, it's a strange life farming. isn't it? One day you're up, you know, one day you're down, you give a bit of old leaning on a spade <laughs> philosophy kind of thing. <laughs> and, and, and I always felt it was so long. But, of course, it's not that long, the omnibus, actually. Um, and it's fantastic to save it up on BBC Sounds or whatever on a podcast um, uh, app um, f- for a drive. If you've missed mm. them over the over the week, but I do like to to, I do like to hear them as they come where possible, and because it's a bit like if you do crosswords, you notice that they're easier on a Monday and they get harder through the week on the, the
7: newspaper.
8: <laughs> that. So the, the Monday <laughs> Times cryptic crossword is pretty easy for anyone who <laughs> can do a crossword. <laughs> By Friday, it's getting a bit trickier, and and similarly with the archers. The Monday, like this week, for example, Monday was almost nothing happened. It was just sort of the odd scene. And then by Tuesday, suddenly the whole Alice mm. thing was boiling up. Yeah. And by Wednesday and Thursday, whoa, um, it was, it was, it was getting to the meat of it. Um, and I guess that.
7: Talking of the omnibus, Stephen, are, are you aware of um, the tweet along, which runs uh, alongside the omnibus, uh, as the omre oh, is going out on a Sunday, okay, we, we we all pile in and and comment as it's going out. It's it's great fun. Uh, it's it's hash, the it hashtag The Archers, one word capital T capital A. Um, but so it's um, a bit of real time. Oh, yes, Ooh, get hurt absolutely. Yes, I mean them, it, yeah. it always trends afterwards. So it's a lot of people pile on, but uh, it's oh, good fun. Fabulous. So uh, would you consider joining the tweet along? I will.
8: I'd probably uh, let me think. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's not – it's a very early in the morning. Oh, I suppose. Uh, but I'm coming back to London, so I'll be back in, in, in London next week. So, well, when you're in London, um, yeah,
7: sure. UK time, it's great fun. Yeah. Um, very we, Yes, we look out for your tweets.
8: Because um. <laughs> yeah, I should just say one of the things about the arches that is particularly pleasing is, as I'm sure many of your listeners um, will have discovered on holiday or, indeed, in, if work takes them abroad, if they've been able to travel the last couple of years, um, is that the archers on a beach in Australia or on a hike in the Hollywood Hills or, um, you know, in the middle of Madagascar when on a, you know, lemur-spotting safari or something, <laughs> there is something quite magical about having ambridge in your ears yes. when you're in a um, different world. It, it does okay. remind one, without any ridiculous jingoistic nationalism, of where one comes from, of, of, of that wonderful sense of... Home, the the Greek home, word for yeah. it is nostos, and the the pain from missing home is nostalgia,
12: oh. and, and
8: we tend to associate nostalgia with the past, but it, it it's place as much as it is time, and and you get that real sense of nostos, I think, when listening to the archer archers, and I suppose you know also a test match, or you know people will have different ways of feeling that connection with. <laughs> home but the archers has that
7: i think in spades you're absolutely right because we have a lot of listeners a- around the world calling in to this podcast a lot of them are living abroad and many of them right. say ex- say say exactly that it's that little bit of england uh, that they've they've got in their ears wherever they are in the world now look um we um amazingly Stephen, as you know we've we've asked for, for um questions from from our listeners and so forth and um we've also received some calls from Ambridge itself, would you believe? Ah. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Uh, so if you, so we've got one or two to to uh, for you to listen to. So let's kick off with this from, I believe, Philippa, uh, Susan Carter.
4: Ah. I believe so. Yes. Here we go. Stephen, since we're both accomplished broadcasters, do you think my next step should be book narration, just like you? My Neil thinks I've got the perfect voice for it. Do you agree? Oh,
8: that's so gorgeous. I love her voice so much. <laughs> Susan, your voice is one of the great flowers in the Garden of England. It is simply so important that you do. And I'm trying to think. I mean, uh, obviously, it would be bringing coals to Newcastle if you were to read the poems of Pam Ayres because you are sisters <laughs> under the skin to some extent of the sound of your voice. So maybe you could try to start with something which is in your world. I would suggest the wonderful stella gibbons comic novel cold comfort farm would suit you perfectly and um, your marvelous yeah, yeah. energy um, that's something emotional because you have a great quality of being sound, sounding almost totally on the brink of tears uh, which you which you share with jennifer of
9: course <laughs>
8: Spending the whole life going, oh, Brian. And you're going, oh, Neil. <laughs> Hello, Chris. Hello, everybody. And probably old oh, yogurt. Actually, do you know, <laughs> um, I've always thought it would be marvelous to have a compilation of, it would make a wonderful stocking filler of um, lines from continuity announcers bef- introducing an episode of The Arch. Yes. Well, that's the end of the news. And now, in Ambridge, it's something like, Pat's yoghurt has been overheating.
6: (laughs) (laughs) There's there's a broken mug.
8: Or indeed the final lines of an episode, (laughs) which lead to the... Because almost anything you say, uh, if followed by the, the theme tune, becomes... You know, I think I will have that cup of tea after all. Da, 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 da. Oh my God, <laughs> is he going to have that cup of tea? But anyway, yes, thank you very much, <laughs> Susan. Your, your career before the microphone
2: is assured.
6: Well, as, as well as Susan just in from her horse ride, we
4: have um, a Lillian <gasps> Bellamy who sounds rather frazzled. Stephen, darling, no any good hairdressers in LA. Fabrice left me looking like a bloody zebra the last time I went. <laughs>
8: I, I thought people who rode had very neat hair because it goes yeah. in the net, and then on top of that goes a nice. But I suppose if you're taking the net off; it probably tumbles down. Yes, this is a problem. People of um, people of urban style, people with a bit of international flair like you, probably find that the. Uh, that um that boutique next just around the corner from underwoods for example is pr- probably not the standard that you require when it comes to coiffure. um yeah i think maybe maybe there's room here for some someone in the village who's got a bit of time on their hands to do a course in hairdressing and to be a visiting hairdresser maybe maybe you could do that no you wouldn't want to do that yourself you're a bit too classy <laughs> or at least in your own mind you are. Uh,
7: <laughs> well we, that's a wonderful question well, well Stephen, well, we've got chelsea of course haven't we who's 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 uh, learning to yes that's, that's true yes, it. Chelsea, yeah, yeah yeah yes yes oh, gosh, she was try. right um Uh, We've got got another one for you, Stephen, if that's all right, uh, from Ambridge. Um, And I have to say, it looks like uh, you've got uh, an invitation in the post for you.
4: Hello, Stephen. It's Linda Snell, MBE. As a fellow thespian, I'm sure you're aware of my recent mysteries, Triumph. Time waits for no one, of course, and thoughts must now turn to other events in Ambridge. So could I pencil you in to open our summer fete?
8: My dear Linda. I couldn't think of a greater honour. I really couldn't. I'd be I'd be following in some pretty amazing footsteps, I think. Her Royal Highness Princess Margaret opened mm-hmm. a Faith Damage once, didn't she? Unless I've hopelessly wrong. I can't think of anything fun, and I can I take this opportunity to congratulate you on, I mean, let's not forget the, the Nativity play as well as the Passion Plays. All of them triumphs, <laughs> absolute triumphs. The standard is just rising and rising and rising, and um, and they do so much good. And, you know, I think in a way, if one is to call Ambridge Albion and a kind of microcosm of our country, what you do, Linda, is to remind us all of the Incredible importance of culture in the form of drama, in your case mostly uh, in the village and therefore, as it were, in the macrocosm of the village, which is in britain and We know from this terrible pandemic just how threatened drama and theatre and musicals and dance and all performing arts have been, and, and many others too the plastic arts you know uh, painting and sculpture and galleries and have all been under threat and um, and a village shows. How much theatre brings people together, reminds us of who they are, and, uh, and is a celebration of identity and belonging, and and all kinds of what. And indeed, religion and and uh, faith—that's um, true in Ambridge, and it's true in Britain. So, we all owe you an enormous debt for that. For, for the and it's also you've reminded us. That, incredibly hard work and it involves treading on toes and mm. occasionally <laughs> making embarrassing mistakes and pushing people and in directions they don't necessarily want to go and all the rest of it so linda you are i take my hat off to you and i would be honored to open the face oh
7: so we can take that as a yes can we Steve? And if they asked you would you would you yeah, absolutely, <laughs> oh, <yes. hurrah>. fantastic. <laughs> absolutely fantastic
6: Stephen, we've got one final call. Um, uh, you might be able to help, apparently, a Mrs Grundy, who sounds like she wants to move east.
4: Oh. Stephen, any chance I could become kit manager at your beloved Norwich City? I'm hard-working and hooked up 15 costumes overnight for Linder's mystery plays. <laughs> well,
8: do you know, that's a great honour. Um, w- we'll be so pleased to have you. I mean, my God, what an amazing thing! I mean, Clary, your your skill with the needle is 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 known around the world, and um, yeah, Norwich is a lovely kit. That that yellow and green is one of the greatest uh, color. Color combos, the mighty yellow army. Can you imagine Clary Grundy being in charge of that? It would be fantastic. It would be like a Ted Lasso m- moment. In- <laughs> <laughs> if you watch that show, um, it's, it's a brilliant thought, Clay. But I hope that doesn't mean you aren't happy at average, and you? Actually,
7: because Norfolk's a
6: fair old way.
7: Well, I, well. I think she's. Fed, I think <laughs> she's absolutely worn out by Linda. Definitely. Yeah, that is the yeah. problem, isn't yeah. it? It is a bit yeah. unfortunate.
6: Stephen, I must tell you that these, those calls were done by Harriet Carmichael, a voice actor extraordinaire. She has her own Shambridge podcast using these amazing voices. Oh, and my
8: goodness. I thought it was a real actress.
6: That's hilarious. Well, there's actually a connection. Um, Apparently, Harriet said that you were very kind to her when she was first out of drama school and you gave her a tiny part in your film Bright Young Things.
8: That's Harriet, yes.
6: Yes, she says, please pass uh, him my very best wishes. He won't remember me, but he knows my uncle from school. I'm Rick Carmichael's niece and my dad is immortalised in one of his books for being named Michael Carmichael. That's
8: absolutely right. She's Michael Carmichael daughter. The Carmichael family had their sons in the same house as me at school and their uncle was Ian Carmichael whom, and I was so excited because I had just fallen in love with the, the works of P.G. Woodhouse and Ian Carmichael played Bertie Wooster in a BBC series with Dennis Price as Jeeves and um, uh, Rick uh, who is Harriet's uncle uh, and was a friend of mine at school and is still a friend and is a film producer in fact and writer and he um, he had a study sale, as they were called, where he was a bit short of cash. So he announced he was having a, a study sale. So his study, the little sort of room he lived in during most of the day in the house, um, he, you could come along and make offers on anything there, a book or a picture or a record. And he had about six books that were tie-ins to the BBC series with photographs of Ian Carmichael and Dennis Price. And I bought them all. And I still have them. They they were the first. They were the core of my Woodhouse collection, which is now hundreds, if not thousands, of different Woodhouses in one way or another. And I, I, I and it was so fun. But and he had a brother um, called Andy, who who was incredibly handy. Andy, we called him. He built on his own uh, a hovercraft. <laughs> Imagine was such a talented what? family. Um, and there was an even older brother called Michael, who's Harriet's father. And I loved the fact that Michael Carmichael which is a great name and so the family would say when they were driving off somewhere get into the Carmichael 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 (laughs) (laughs) which actually makes complete sense get into the Carmichael 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 (laughs) Um, so I used to say it to myself it's just like a little Winnie the Pooh type hum
6: <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a small world. Um, Stephen, you mentioned Bertie and Wooster. I, I, well, Jeeves and Wooster, I should say. I, I need to, to ask you a question because Rachel uh, has written to us to say she's heard an interesting rumour. She says, I have it on good authority that Linda Snell is planning a Jeeves and Wooster Christmas production this year, which Archer's characters... Would be on your cast list. Oh
8: wow, that's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's a shame Nigel Paget is dead because he's an absolute um, star for yes, <laughs> and in fact, Graham Seed, the actor uh, who played Nigel, was in an episode of Jeeves and Worcester. Uh, he played a con man. It um, uh, uh, was wonderful. But let uh, me let me see. Let me see. Um, I mean, Justin would certainly play a Woodhouseian uncle. Wouldn't he? <laughs> Wouldn't he be superb Simon Williams. If you had to play him, he'd be superb at that. I, I fear the other part it the, the, ghastly Freddie would would sort of consider themselves to have the right class to play Bertie. But um, mm. I'm not sure. where now, um, as for Jeeves, now who's the great repository of wisdom and solidity uh, in Ambridge? I mean, everybody is uh, Everybody's flawed, I'm glad to say. There is no one who... You, 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 no, who would you go to if you were in Ambridge and you needed s- solid
7: advice? Who would you go to? Stephen, I, I would I would go to Jim Lloyd. Jim Lloyd, that's probably right. So I think,
6: well, I wondered if we've already got Jeeves and Worcester there with Jim and Jazza. Jim
8: and Jazza, yes, that's a... F- <laughs>
6: Yes. Yes. who would be Aunt Agatha, that's the
8: question. Oh, well, yes, when
6: Linda Peggy
8: perhaps. could be Aunt
6: Agatha.
8: Yes. <laughs> she's amazing, isn't she, Peggy? I mean, she's a bit of an Aunt Agatha because she's got a, you know, she can be very judgmental or very disappointed. Can you imagine being a, a great-nephew or a great-great-niece or a great-great-grandchild of uh, Peggy's and you earned her disapproval? Mm. It would be a bit, uh, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a marvellous thought. I'm very excited by the idea of them doing <laughs>
7: um, Now, we've sort of touched on this already, but um, you have appeared, haven't you, Stephen, in a comic relief Archer's sketch written yes. by the wonderful and much-missed Victoria Wood. With Victoria Wood, that's yeah. right. She was in it, too, yeah. yes. But, um, I mean, you alluded to maybe coming back as, 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 as Bert Fry's cousin, um, but uh, would, you, would you like to appear in Ambridge as a character?
8: Well, of course it would be an honour, but I wouldn't want to unbalance it. Unfortunately, I've been such a... How can I put this politely? I don't want to use the whore word, but I've been—I've stood on the street corner of show business, swinging my handbag for many decades now, and I've had a lot of clients. And so, I, this is a weird metaphor. i better in Um It works. It kind of works. But I think what I'm really saying is, unfortunately, my voice is too well known for lots of other things, and I couldn't really. <laughs> Uh, Convincing to <laughs> play another character, or at least if I did, what would be the point of me doing it I, I, well, if you
7: wanted we, me we, as we, me? We, we had a suggestion: that you should be the new Bishop of Borschtia oh, to be sort fun. of raw, raw, raw Melchett style at Allen and chat up Shula. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> that,
8: <laughs> would, that would definitely be delightful. <laughs> bishop of Borchester sounds actually a great gig. I've always it's, wanted uh, to be a bishop. I, uh, <laughs> you know. There's a character I think it's Henry. Is he called Henry Crawford in Mansfield Park, the, the Jane Austen novel, who has this goes on about how what a wonderful uh, priest he would make and and you know what a wonderful um, vicar and and, and bishop and, and and Fanny, the heroine, sort of <laughs> thinks to herself, yes, but you don't actually believe any of it. <laughs> That is the yeah. one disadvantage. I do think I'd make a marvellous bishop, and and uh, <laughs> just slightly <laughs> fall down on the faith side of things. Though in the Church of England, it doesn't seem to be a deal breaker.
7: <laughs> now, um, um, in fact, I'm this. Uh, we got a question from Jen, who actually came up with this bishop idea anyway. But she's uh she's known to us as, as the Ambridge Pony Club as our Jen, and uh-huh. she wants to put you on the she wants to put you on the spot, Stephen, with this one. Are you ready? Uh, snog, marry, avoid. David, Adam, Ian. Wow. <laughs> 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 well, uh, this. <laughs>
8: um... Sorry about that. <laughs> That's a really good one. Uh, I'd probably avoid David because I think um, it would embarrass him if I tried to thrust myself on him with my lips puckered or or offered my hand in marriage, whereas Adam and Ian might be at least more open to the idea without sort of having to reinvent themselves. Um, okay. in the, well, there's the question of whether I wanted good food, I suppose, and that would greedy one yes. that, that would that would incline <laughs> the marriage and then <laughs> so that's probably the way i'd
7: so do it with him <laughs> i've got a pre, i've got a precedent steven who who would you who would you snog um well uh ian ian works where does ian work now
6: well he's still uh, sort of uh, at great gables Greg, yes yeah
8: Ables, isn't he's he still he? great gables yeah. yes yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right so i'd probably i'd probably marry ian mm. for the food yeah um yeah. snog adam and avoid David um, because I wouldn't want to embarrass him. But not okay. because I, not that's really just being out of politeness, not it's not following my heart necessarily. <laughs> I think mm. um, marrying into the archers would be the, if you know,
7: would be fantastic, just be yeah. great think of the trouble one could cause (laughs) well this 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 tees up a question by from jan mitchell and it's also one i wanted to ask you as well stephen Mm -hmm. what what do you think about the relationship between adam and ian i mean i mean do you think it's realistic or convincing i I think it's very
8: well done and i like the fact that not too much is made of it uh, especially these days Uh, to me the great beauty of I've, um, let me see what's the date today it's oh goodness me I'm almost uh, almost 10 days away from my 7th anniversary of oh, anniversary. Yeah. Um and <clears throat> when, when when I did when Eddie and I got married in, in um, uh, 2015 it was only just under a year since the, it had become legal to do so and so it was there was a story, if you like, there, uh, which was to do with the fact that it was two men getting married rather than just that I was getting married and that Elliot was getting married. There was a story because it was quite unusual. But how quickly we all are completely used to it and don't even bother to notice, really, that when on a quiz mm. show someone will come and say, you know, when the, the quiz master says to a person, oh, and you're, where are you from? And they go, I'm from Peterborough, or whatever, and they say, you married? Yes, yes, my, mm. uh, my husband and I have been married for five years, and you don't think twice about it. It's just the most yeah. normal thing now. And I think, <laughs> you know, that's a, 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 a marvellous an obvious thing all those who were worried about it and said it was going to ruin marriage and that it would uh, it would you know cause the institution the sacred institution of of marriage to be somehow undermined I think the reverse has happened. Yeah. In fact, statistically, and admittedly it's only been seven and a half years since this law has uh, uh, allowed a, a, you know, equality in marriage, uh, statistically the, the gay same-sex marriages have lasted, have lasted longer, so even in the seven and a half years that yeah. the, 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 the actually have, <laughs> have been more successful than heterosexual ones. I'm not saying that's always going to be the case because people are people, and that's
7: the point. And many of us have discussed and feel the same on this podcast is that there doesn't seem to be great chemistry between them that, um, you know, there are some great marriages um, within the arches who are utterly convincing. I mean, for instance, Jenny and Brian and uh, you've got Linda and Robert and all that, but uh, they don't personally they don't convince me in terms on on the chemistry level everything between them sounds particularly from adam sounds really transactional and ian just caves in and agrees with everything that he wants
8: there is an element to that and in that in that sense i think you're right there is a, a strange a strangeness about their relationship yeah. in that way there's um there's very little lightness of touch between them very little yeah. um yeah. fun they don't seem to enjoy each other's company in the way that a yeah. couple should yeah. or, um, uh, and and maybe that is something I don't know where that comes from. It's interesting, but and the rest of the family. I mean, because uh, Brian and and others, when 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 it was first apparent that Adam was gay, there was a you know you 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 wondered how the Aldridges mm. would cope, because Brian, let's face it, is yeah. a wonderfully <laughs> complex mixture of prejudices and vanities and arrogant and entitlement and all kinds of things. But I, he I, love it. I love him. I love him. I mean, yes. uh, yeah, yeah. Mr. Collingwood is a superb, superb yes. actor. Yes. Yeah. He does yeah. it so yeah. well. Um, yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You're right. There's, there's, there is more juice and more human hmm. kind of uh, emotional content in, in most other relationships in, in The Archers. Hmm.
6: Speaking of emotional links, we've got a, a question from another listener, Mia, who has um, a musical question about the emotional link of, of the tune. She says, Hi, Stephen, thanks for being on dum dum If I remember correctly, you chose Barwick Green as one of your desert island discs. When you're on your island and start to hear those unmistakable first bars, dum dum what images of Ambridge come to mind?
8: Oh, what a good question. Yes, they, well, all kinds do. Um... It's a mixture. If I'm in a um, a long, solid listening vein, because I'm sure, like most listeners, there, there do come periods where I have to miss it for one reason or another or just get out of the habit and life means that I'm not in the right place or whatever. Um, if But if I'm in a really strong listening mood and I've been listening for the last you know months, then I'm thinking of what the next scene will be and and who is doing what and whether or not so-and-so realises that so-and-so has said so-and-so, you know, all of that. Um, and so I'll be thinking of that. But if I haven't heard it for a while and it suddenly comes on the radio and I go, oh, it's The Archers, then I skip around clapping my hands and joining into the theme tune, of course, because who doesn't? Um, <laughs> and I suppose the image is probably, <sighs> it's Fields, And it's smoke coming from chimneys a little. And it's a kind of just, I don't know, it's some image like, you know how, you know how when you read a book when you're a child, let's say it's the kind of book children read like Treasure Island or Sherlock Holmes or something. And then it might be 30 years later you're in yeah. staying with someone's house and there's a mm. books in the spare room and you just pluck one down and it's that Sherlock Holmes book that you used to read when you were a child and you open the page and you're halfway th- 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 you know through the f- first couple of uh, pages and you realize that you have the same geographical picture uh, and interior decorative picture of the room that you did when you were five or six or seven, first reading it, that that image you have stays with you forever. And the Archer's one is a complicated one to explain, but it's got little folded valleys. It's a little bit wet. It's autumn probably. As I say, there's smoke coming from chimneys and there are fields with stiles and wooden you know, five-bar gates and all of that sort of thing. And there's just, I don't know what it is. It's just something. It's like a dream. The more I try and describe it, the more it escapes, like trying to clutch a
7: salmon. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> um, actually, this leads nicely into a question from one of our most regular contributors, a chap called Witherspoon, who l- listens in New York. Uh, oh. And he, he says, um, ha- have you ever taken an extended break from listening to The Archers? Not deliberately, but there have been times.
8: I mean, you know, I've done documentaries that have taken me around the world Um in the past when it has been harder to listen to, 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 to the BBC and to internet radio than it is now. Um, so obviously in the 90s and things like that, um, travelling abroad to do a documentary in Australia or, or the Far East or even in america it's been almost impossible to listen to the archers under those circumstances so a few you know months can go by and even even in britain sometimes you're in uh, involved in a job you're filming or something uh, and you're up at half past five every morning being picked up by the time it's lunchtime in your trailer it may not coincide with the archers lunchtime by the time you've wrapped it may already be the evening show is over or you know you're not going to ask the driver who's you know taking you home necessarily to listen to it <laughs> you're a bit strange um so you know it just uh and also mood you sometimes just uh you know a bit like it like food you you have a craze to eat this kind of food for a few weeks and then suddenly you're off it and uh, yeah so occasion. I mean I'm I'm sure a lot of the listeners are going how dare you Stephen you call yourself an archers fan and you have time off from it uh, but but uh, yeah I do and I do think it is one of its great features as I said at the beginning is that you can pick it up
11: mm-hmm. so easily
8: um and even uh e- even first timers find it very Amazing how quickly they can get used to it. I mean, my husband, for example, because I have it on in the house, he's never grown up with it, Elliot. But um, I've only got to have it on in the kitchen um, here in uh, LA, you say, um, for a, a few days in a row, and he'll start going... Um, why is Pip so obsessed with his cottage?
7: Yeah.
6: Well, just like a lot of our listeners, uh, Stephen Bowden and Justine want to know about your favourite and your least favourite characters. So Stephen has posed you this scenario, Stephen. He says, "Um, it's a foul, wet January evening and your car breaks down in Ambridge. The repairman can't get to you until the morning, so you're going to have to stay the night. But you've been banned from grey gables after last time. Uh, You have to throw yourself on the mercy of one of the village households. On whose door do you knock?
8: Wow, that's a very good one. That's a very good one, isn't it? Um, I don't think I'd enjoy Locksley Hall, grand as it is.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
8: um, I just think, yeah, they're just too weird, those Parchetus. They're, they're just so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would <laughs> like the cosy... I mean, I, I think staying with Brian and Jennifer would be enormously good fun, and Jennifer <laughs> would be so such a good hostess. Yeah. And Brian would say, come on, come in, and let's talk about cricket. <laughs> or something, you know. he say, you know, say let, let, let the girls do their talk. And i go, no, no, I'm quite happy in the kitchen. <laughs> and I'd, I'd like to sit around the kitchen table there. So um, um, Bridge Farm, I think I'd find a bit stressful.
7: <laughs> It's, totally yeah. bad, it's rather exhausting. <laughs> God. They're always moaning about something, especially with <laughs> Natasha and Tom there. Yes, exactly.
8: <laughs> um, but obviously Brookfield would be fantastic, uh, uh, um, uh, and yeah, I'd be very happy there. I'd be happy with Usha and Alan actually. I mean, they're, they're, they're a charming couple. Um, I, Lillian and Justin, <laughs> I think would be oh. not too much fun, frankly. <clears> throat> um, throat> I, I, you know, I mean, I love them as characters. They're wonderful mm. to listen to. I mean, just hilarious. Um, and Lillian's, you know, just just great. Um, you know, she's a fun girl. You know, she'll you know, be opening yeah. a bottle of wine and
6: yeah. chatting yes. straight P&T. away. TNT.
8: Yeah, <laughs> all of that, exactly. Um, I mean, the really, the the, the dull ca- I mean, Alistair I never particularly warmed to. I mean, Good Soul and all the really, you know, those sort of characters are a bit sort of. Mm. Um, and there were some horrors, um, but they've mostly, you know, the abusive ones, and they've mostly mm. taken care of at the moment. Um, so the one I least like at the moment is Rory because I do find people who are absolutely closed off to forgiveness very, 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 tr- very tricky. I, I just, I, I just can't believe he's as cruel as he is. I mean, she was awful, of course she was, but her, and, and drunkenness is not an excuse, and there's the endless question of whether or not wine is, um, you know, in vino veritas, the Romans mm. said, it, 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 you know, in, in wine, the truth. People who are drunk speak a truth that they're not, um, not bold enough to speak when sober. Um, but the Greeks, who are usually wiser than the Romans, um, said wine is the mirror of the soul. And, and I think that's quite interesting. And I think they knew what they meant by that, that it is mm. a reflection, but it's the wrong way round. That you say things that aren't necessarily true. They're often inverted truths. Um, So, uh, those who, you know, if you're going to have a conversation and uh, let's pretend we're all really living in Ambridge and um, we've discovered what Rory's, what Alice said to Rory and what Rory has said to Alice. And if we're supposed to take sides, Yes, everything Alice said to him was monstrous about never having been wanted in the family, and who knows what it is to be a, an abandoned child or to feel an abandoned child, and then to be told that you you know that you're not welcome i mean it's a horrible thing to have said, absolutely horrible, but once you've seen what a mess she was and how she's trying to put herself together and unless you really don't believe it and think she's still wicked. Mm. um to treat her yeah. like that i mean it just yeah. apart from anything else it's just bad policy it just makes for a a difficult time for him it makes it harder for him to come back uh he's going to have to keep up this pretense of you know in in front of brian and jennifer pretending to like alice or at least to get on with her while behind the, their back being mean again you know all of that so sorry i have you know i've gone <laughs> on the original question and i've gone back into this current one but it's been exercising my mind because it isn't
11: yes.
8: you know, we all know people who've done dreadful things when drunk and continue to do dreadful things when drunk there are mean drunks and, and there are some drunks who are perfectly pleasant and go mellow and fall asleep and tell jokes and so on but there are those who can be beastly you know their eyes
7: snap and they
8: they become mm.
7: yeah. um but because who... Stephen what um one of our listeners Adam Hickford, has suggested uh, that with in with Rory now we we've got a sort of Moriarty type character there's been such a switch
8: yes it's very true um and and it's sort of been done off stage as it were he said I have changed I've had to think about things he's obviously made the decision to be tough no one loves him uh, he has no place in the world. He's got to forge his own place. He's, you know, he's, he's a half-brother, isn't he? And he's mm-hmm. uh, had a, you know, peculiar childhood. And, um, I, you know, he has every reason to, to feel aggrieved and to want to have a place. But he's going about it in the wrong way. <laughs> Oh. And where do you, you think
7: he's? Where, how do you think he's made all this money as well?
8: I, this is a worry. He just said airily, yeah. "said crypto," yeah. and I, yeah. think, I uh, don't the, believe that. I think no I'm sure the script writers have both sat around the table and said yeah, we we'll, we'll come back to that one <laughs> we'll, we'll work out exactly what he's done but he's, he's some some dread scheme it doesn't seem right, does it? The value of the presence he's given everyone uh, is there pretty are, high. A, there are
7: a, a lot of a lot of sugar daddy theories going around as well oh interesting. I hadn't heard yeah. that that is interesting yeah. because
8: as it yeah. happens in 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 this whole period crypto has been going down rather steadily for the past yep. couple of months yes. so, so he's <laughs> unlikely to have invested in it and made a great deal in the in the recent months at least sugar daddy you think there's a there's Ooh. a story Gosh.
6: Stephen, you mentioned about gifts. I was lucky enough to get your wonderful book, Fry's Ties, as a, as a gift for Christmas. And uh, my last question is about the tie wearers in Ambridge. Oh, yes. um, I'm assuming Brian and Jim wear ties, I but I wondered about the others. And is Oliver a tie wearer or is he, dare I say it, a bow tie wearer?
8: Oliver might be a bow tie wearer, and that's a mm. that's a dodgy one. I mean, if you're... Yes. Doctors, of course, can always be excused for wearing a bow tie because it's a tradition, um, and that is, you know, when you lean over someone in bed, you don't know, want your tie dangling on their face mm-hmm. um, so a bow tie doesn't uh, drop into the guts of an open wound. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Vets, vets and doctors can have bow ties, as they tend to in TV programs.
7: Um,
8: yeah, I, I think, yes, uh i'm not sure I think it's so interesting uh, the lockdown has has meant people have dressed down even more than usual and and my writing a book on ties is certainly not a suggestion that people should go back to ties i I'm, I'm, I'm the last person to think that you know you're properly dressed if you wear a tie merely that if you if you like ties, they are a Wonderful little triangle, a little piece of real estate and on the front of your body in which to express yourself with a bit of color and, mm-hmm. and design and belonging. Sometimes it can be, a, you know, it can reveal your cricket club or uh, social club or, you know. Um, Regiment or whatever it is. There are all kinds of signifiers that, that are there in, in a tie. Or it's just an opportunity to to express with colour what you wouldn't do with trousers or a jacket. If, you, if you're if you a man in particular, it's pretty odd to wear a jacket which was as as patterned and as colourful as a tie, unless you were about to go on stage with Elton. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I think um, yeah, that's an interesting question. I didn't really... It's a bit like dreams, isn't it when you ask what people you know do you dream in color do you dream in black and white do you how are people dressed in your dreams and and Ambridge is a bit like that do you think you know you have pictures in your head, but they're not complete they're they are inchoate i suppose is the word. Well,
6: I'm convinced that Lee has one tie and it's a wolverine one. <laughs>
11: <laughs> that's very believable. <laughs> like,
6: that,
7: that makes enormous sense. I, 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 I'm convinced that Roy wears a polyester one at uh, at uh, Grey oh, yes. Gables. I, I, I
8: suspect <laughs> that's probably true. Um, yeah. And of course, Alima has a dog collar, so he's exempt. Uh, I think some of the older characters, obviously, the you know, Nelson Gabriels and people like that, wore a tie. You can sort of hear it in his accent if you're if you're. Old enough to remember Nelson Gabriel. Jack May, the actor, was fabulous. Was so good. Very, very grand figure. And of course, he was a great sort of comic thing because his father was the. Oh, oh, oh figure, and <laughs> Nelson spoke like this, you know, <laughs> no father, oh Nelson <laughs>
7: no indeed, father, it was just a fantastic comic <laughs> <kind of> coupling <laughs> <But> Stephen <laughs> I think I think we need you in the bull, just making those noises in the background because now we, now we haven't got Joe or Bert just in the background, yeah, <laughs> i absolutely love it. <laughs> Just <laughs> shout, shout out Badger occasionally, yeah, fun. exactly. And, and
8: ex, <laughs> expectorate with my farmer's lung. <laughs> That's what Joe always
7: used to claim he had, didn't he? Oh,
2: with my
7: farmer's <laughs> lung. <laughs> oh, we could, we could talk for ages with you, um, Stephen, but um, sadly, I, I mean, looking at the clock, our time is up. You've been so generous, and um, we have. So many more questions we could have asked you, but uh, I, I'm going to be covered in bruises tomorrow from pinching myself that we've had you on on Dumpty Dum. So, so thank you so much, Stephen. It's been a such such a, such a sm- Thank you for inviting yeah. me, and keep up the good work. Well, thank you, and please tu- please tune in if you can.
6: Well, thank uh, you. Yeah, Stephen, it's been an honour, a privilege, and a, a lemon drizzle delight. <laughs> thank, thank you, you,
8: thank you both.
6: Oh Quentin, wasn't wasn't that wonderful? I mean, I know I've gushed already, yeah. but it was yeah. it it was just wonderful. What a lovely, lovely oh, person! No. I, he is. I mean,
7: we recorded it yesterday, and I'm still walking on air already. I mean, I mean, I've worked for the BBC for over thirty years. I've interviewed a lot of famous people. Uh, that that's right up there, honestly. It really is. In fact, it's probably the mm. best because it's it was just in mean, an hour and a half of his company, didn't we? And it was fantastic. Mm. A real a real privilege.
6: It, it absolutely was. But apologies if we didn't manage to get your question to Stephen. We we simply couldn't squeeze them all in. No. Uh,
7: but don't worry, you are in very good company because there were one or two other Ambridge residents also left without an answer.
4: Hi, Stephen. Do you enjoy your garden? If not, can I come and rewild it for you?
7: <laughs> that's one. That's one of the. <laughs> was she the, the torturer in, in, in the Passion? She yeah. she was a, all yeah. right, toughy, wasn't she in the in the, in the Nativity? R. Kirsty, I love that. Yeah.
6: And even the Virgin Mary couldn't get a look in. Stephen, I know you love bears,
4: but do you love the planet as much as I do? Oh,
7: bore me. And Brookfield won't be happy either.
4: Stephen, I'm having an identity crisis and find myself with two friends. Who should I pick as my bestie?
6: <laughs> well, as we mentioned while talking to Stephen, those are all down to the brilliant Shambridge, yes, absolutely astonishing. Thank you, Harriet. Uh, Thank huge you. thanks. Yeah, Harriet, that was sensational. It just made me laugh. I want to set them as my ringtone because so they, just, they just bring a smile to my face. Anyway, we will be responding, as usual, to all your calls about the Ambridge antics this week.
4: Hello, Ambridge 3962.
6: And first of all, we have Millie Molly Mandy, who's thinking about the women of Ambridge and their abilities.
1: Hi, P&Q. This is Millie Molly Mandy from the dark darkest Ohio in the United States. I'm an expat and I've been gone for 30 years. This is my, I'm a first time caller in era. And I just wanted to say I've been listening to The Archers since 1974. Oddly, I started listening when I was revising for my O-levels. So it's been a long time. And I've been in the United States for over 30 years. So there's a big hole in my listening. And you guys talk about how comforting the archers are. And that's really true. When I got back to the podcasts, I felt like it was a little bit of home. And it was a great comfort. And I just want to say, P&Q, that your voices are comforting too. You make me feel better. Um, So love the podcast. I just wanted to call in and say that I'm worried about the education of women on the archers. So I'm worried about Lily. So, you know, remember, Lily did really well in school. Then she never even got through her first year of university. She threw it away on the total waster um, that who really probably should be in jail. And nobody seems to talk about her going back to, to to university or studying. She's spending her time mopping up after a family and selling kitchens. So come on, Lily, get a grip. Um, she's getting way past the time she'll ever go back and, and she's losing it similarly phoebe phoebe's got a degree from oxford university and what's she doing um rewilding can't take all day every day and where's that going to lead to she needs some direction and nobody seems worried about that too so more education um for the women let's get them get them sorted love the podcast thank you for everything you do bye-bye
7: oh that's lovely millie molly mandy i love her title as well millie molly mandy (laughs) yes uh, delighted you've, uh, you, you've uh, called in from Ohio, an expat, didn't you say, for, for 30 years, been listening for 48 years to the Archers. And that point you made, Millie Molly, Mandy, about <clears throat> how the Archers is so comforting for those who, who live abroad was exactly the point that Stephen Fry was making earlier on, wasn't he? So uh, you have mm-hmm. confirmed what we were talking about there. Good point, though, about um, the uh, women wasting their talents uh in 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 ambridge and yes though we sort of you sort of forget about that after a while don't you there's lily she was at university and then she got distracted by russ and all that and just seems to be lingering around uh loxley doesn't loxley now doesn't she so um mm. that's a good point and equally phoebe once again forgets about her extraordinary achievement about getting to oxford and now she's i mean rewilding is a is a fine project but um is it enough to consume uh, a woman uh, so well-educated um, and um, with so much, and so young as well? But you could argue, well, it, it's 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 the area she wants to work in, so be it. Uh, it doesn't matter that she's been to Oxford. But but this is a theme that's coming through with Alice now, isn't it? Because she's saying, I've got a good brain and I want to actually uh, have something to do to fill my time. So um, this is a... a, a, a a very sort of current thread that you've picked up on Millie Molimandy.
6: It's a good point. I I do think that the women of Ambridge are hitting the Ambridge ceiling, the glass ceiling, and they can't go anywhere because otherwise they wouldn't be we wouldn't be able to hear them every day. Yeah. Um, and so they have to come up with some initiatives in Ambridge and uh, of which are a few and far between. I mean, we've had Nasha, jo- Nasha Natasha, Natasha. <laughs> well,
7: some people call her Joyless. that.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah woman, Natasha Joyners, who appeared uh, at one point to be very enterprising. Um, Maybe she's just enterprising at her debt management, I don't know. But I'll be interested to see what happens to her once she's uh, had the baby and how um, the scriptwriters are able to help her still focus on work and the baby and all all that dynamic. But I I agree, it's a major issue and um, it's a shame that we're not seeing some real inspirational female characters but who knows? And uh, I've just got to say thank you so much for your lovely words, Millie, Molly, Mandate, yeah. about um, our podcast. That it's—I find it comforting doing it and and hearing all the calls coming in and the feedback. So I mean, she's stressed you. out
7: during the week. I'm telling you, Ah, oh, Philippa, so am I, my <laughs> <laughs> We we appear to be serenely sailing on the surface.
6: <laughs> I don't think we appear to be serene. <laughs> we're, we're, anything, we're like we're, we're like I swans. Think people There's lots of well. paddling
7: going on underneath.
6: No, no, we're not. No, 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 we're not. We're like parrots making lots of noise trying to get attention. But anyway, thank you so much for that wonderful call. And now we go to Dusty Substances, who wants
3: to talk to us about the mysteries. Hello, it's Dusty Substances here, the wrong sort of listener. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone in Dumpty Dum land. I hope you've had a safe and happy Christmas and that 2022 brings us a few more rays of hope than we've had for a long time. I wanted to say how very much I enjoyed the mystery plays I thought they were wonderful particularly the second one the new year um, episode with the passion I I was thoroughly overwhelmed by how they got to the emotions of of the story and uh, really well done everyone involved obviously being the wrong sort of listener I would have to then comment on the ridiculous storyline of Clary having to make Goodness knows how many costumes overnight from three old duvet covers and a neck curtain. Um, in the real world of amateur theatre, uh, we would know what our Christmas production next time will be. Uh, people will be working on the script. Somebody will be in charge of costumes and we'll be looking at what we've already done got and start uh, thinking about what extras we might need. The auditions would probably happen in the summer with uh, rehearsals starting, certainly for something of that size that we've just had, I would say September. But clearly I'm going to gloss over all of that because the end result with the passions was just so wonderful. It was nearly as good as Blithe Spirit, which still uh, remains my favourite. Anyway, uh, love from me to everybody in Dumpty dumb land have a safe and happy 2022 and i'll speak to you soon bye
6: oh dusty substances thank you so much yes happy new year to you too yeah the ridiculous story of clary running up three thousand outfits out of a handkerchief honestly honestly i agree though the passion i just found it amazing, so moving. I know some people said that once it got to the crucifixion, they had to stop listening because it was just too much. And I do understand that. I didn't realise I cared about Harrison until I heard that scene. And then I, it, I cared so much. But I would say if you did turn off, it's worth going back and just listening to the last five minutes, because the way they moved the passion to then coming back to Ambridge, with the candle lighting and the, the laughter in the background, it, it made me weep. It really did. And, and Jazz's song was extraordinary. So if you did turn off, it, it's worth listening to that alone.
7: I completely agree. Um, I, I really enjoyed the nativity and then the, the passion really bowled me over. And I had to stop what I was doing during the crucifixion. Because it was powerful, it was powerful, mm. and also it was visceral. You makes you realize the the pain, this utter cruelty and brutality of the way of putting somebody to death like that. And um, they say radio paints the greatest pictures, and it did. It, it genuinely stopped me in my tracks. I, I was I was very moved, and uh, it would be a mistake not to go back and listen to that again. Congratulations all round. I thought it was very good, D- Dusty knows what she's talking about. She's big in Amdram in the Richmond era, I'm telling you, I think she's assistant director now on Henry the fourth, parts one and two at the moment. I think there's no stopping her. Um, so, uh, yes. When you <laughs> see a proper timetable spelled out like that, Dusty, you do realize how utterly ridiculous <laughs> it is in Ambridge and what the hell we're all put through to get us through all of that in around about six weeks. And, um, but as you said, you were uh, putting, setting that aside, you were immensely moved by the passion in particular. And I, I agree with you. Mm,
6: that was a marvellous call. Thank you so much. And now we go to Rob, who needs us to focus on the fate of Tony's mug.
11: Hi there, Philippa and Quentin and everybody else in Dumpty Dum land. Time for you to nip out and put the kettle on while I drone on for a bit. <sighs> So much to unpack tonight, but I do worry about jumping onto Facebook uh, for fear of upsetting the Omnibus listeners, so I'll punish you lot with it instead. Mike and Vicky, are they still an item, or have they split up? Mike seems quite evasive about his home life and is in no rush to get back. And talking of unusual home lives, how do you break a mug by being a bit careless while stacking the dishwasher? Unless you're filling it from the other side of the house or practising your tennis serve at the same time. Uh, I don't see how he, how he managed that. Then there was the post-mortem. I mean, I've known less concern shown over pets or relatives that have been lost than there was over that mug. But then, Tony has had his fortune, misfortune compounded by a dodgy wash leaving him with a pink vest. I was wondering, who else sees him in his vest that he should be so cut up about it? Unless, of course, it's his favourite mug and his favourite vest. Could explain why he was so tetchy having to wait for 34 seconds. Yes, I did check it. For Tom to go and drag his pregnant wife from the toilet where she was busy throwing up. See, Josh has decided to take his, stake his claim on the spare house. Well, who doesn't have a bungalow lying round empty? By the power of dodgy teenage decorating. How old is he again? I remember stamping my authority on my room by painting the walls grey and the woodwork magenta. I was trying to be rebellious, but it looked quite good and I was 14. And what is that film that Tony's trying to get out of watching by spending his time sweeping an outhouse? It's been nominated for awards, it's too mushy, and there's a lovely dovey scene on top of the Empire State Building. Must be either Sleepless in Seattle or King Kong. What does everybody else think? Bye now.
7: Thanks, Rob. I was I was racking my brains, and I think you're right. It's one of those two, isn't it? Uh, you said you invited everybody to go and put the kettle on while you prattled on. Well, if Tom had anything to do with it, Rob, there'd be no <laughs> mugs to put the tea in. Or <laughs> um, good quality coffee to go in there. <laughs> it tastes like an ashtray, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> yes, Tony. I mean, I'd, I'd as I've said before, I, I do defend the the, the, dull, the dull, but decent on... on archers and tony's well in that category but he, he did excel himself in the misery guts brigade didn't he this this week going on, and on about his bloody mug um no i
6: disagree well I, if it's
7: your favorite mug and it's somebody's clumsy uh, it's very annoying and i, I you know, like no, many men. No, it's I'm... about
6: the dishwasher. No, it's about yeah. the dishwasher. I'm sorry. Tom was saying, oh, but uh, I didn't realise it's a smaller dishwasher. I'm sorry. You have opened the door and you have looked in and you will have taken in the, fa- you can't cram in a thousand mugs into a smaller dish. It's impossible. So what is the boy doing? Well, he's, a, uh, it's, he's an idiot. It's inconceivable. Idiot. He needs a lecture what, from he, me on how to stack a dishwasher. Was he stacking or
7: unloading? I think he was loading, wasn't he? Yeah,
6: he loading. was loading. He said, oh, I didn't realise it. ours was bigger. Oh, yeah. for heaven's sakes, you've got eyes, haven't you?
7: Because like many men, I'm a bit OCD about loading a dishwasher. It has to be in a certain way. So I, I'm with Tony on that. If it's done wrong, it just does your head in. Then to break his mug, um, I can see why it's annoying. I can, but I love the way that Rob, Rob's actually timed. 34 seconds.
6: Yes. He <laughs>
7: What has become of you, man? What has become of you?
6: And the shopping of the coat. I'm sorry. When you know, Pat said to Tom, "What do you think?" Tom said, "Oh, it's very you." Mm-hmm. And Pat said, "It's very elegant." It's like <laughs> Pat is elegant. I'm sorry. This makes no sense. And she's funny,
7: buying too. blouses as well, which caused quite a stir.
6: Yeah, but she couldn't go to her favourite shop. No, she just had to just throwing to up. Natasha. Why didn't Natasha just stay home, poor woman? I mean, that would be the whole thing. I was just rubbing my hands in glee, going, "Oh yes, can't wait to and talk Rob, about this." So, yeah, Rob, I agree. Like
7: I you. mentioned last week, I've got my worries about Mike and Vicky. He seems to be coming up with all sorts of excuses to stay in Ambridge. I mean, he's siliconing everybody, everything, and everybody at the moment, isn't he? Every he can't stop doing DIY. Any excuse to stay in Ambridge. I, I think, I think Mike and Vicky, it's rocky. It's rocky.
6: We've got some more calls about that, so hold your horses. But now uh, we go to Big Sister Helen, who needs to update us on Rory and Alice. Hello,
5: it's Big Sister Helen from Stockwell here, commenting rather late on the Rory-Alice dialogues at the end of the week of the, the last week of December. Um, the point I wanted to make was that Rory's mother, Siobhan, died when he was four. And he then lived with Jenny Darling and Brian before being shunted off to a boarding prep school at about the age of seven or eight. And so you don't have to be a genius to work out that he may have issues about where he belongs and who cares about him. And Alice's and drunken assault a few months ago would certainly touch on very sensitive territory. The What I noted was... That at the very end of the episode, when Jenny asked Alice if she was okay after Rory had left, Alice initially said yes, but when Jenny persisted, she said no. And she appeared to be on the verge of telling Jenny what Rory had said to her. But the key point is that she didn't. She either humoured Jenny or colluded with her that her Alice's subdued mood was because she was missing Rory. And I wonder if this is a rare demonstration that Alice can exercise self-control, that she did put Jenny's feeling before her own, and whether at last she recognises that she does need to exercise some self-control, not just in terms of alcohol, and all due credit to her for having confronted this one, but that she needs to be a responsible adult, that she needs to be considerate for other people, and that she needs to move on from being the spoiled child for whom, until now, actions have really had consequences, Thanks to Philip and Quentin for all the hard work you do. Really enjoy the show and happy 2022 to everyone.
6: Bye. Oh, big sister, Helen. Thank you so much. Thank you for calling back. Great to hear you again. And uh, yes, um, thank you for your lovely comments and uh, happy 2022 to you too. This It's an interesting one, isn't it? This sort of the the dynamic of Alice and, and with Rory. It's a complicated situation and I've been thinking about it uh, a lot. And for me, normally I see one side, either I see my own point of view or someone's telling me a story. But here we stand in the room, sort of taking in all sides, seeing all perspectives. So one minute I'm with Rory and thinking with all that he's had to go through in his life, I can understand his reaction. But then I'm with Alice, you know, she's an alcoholic. There's, There's so much of a burden with that. Then I see Jennifer. So I just keep going round. (laughs) <laughs> it's like tag or something, taking different views, and uh, I just end up getting a bit um, mesmerised by it all. Uh, yes. but yeah,
7: it, it is a bit bewildering, isn't it? Um, it? Because it's that's the skill of the writing. You are pulled in various directions. You are. Mm. Uh, I mean, Stephen Fry earlier wasn't he was unequivocal. He cannot, he cannot yeah. forgive Rory for not for, for not forgiving.
6: And um, I did dwell on that actually after yeah. after he yeah. he said that it it did make me warm a little more to Alice, I have to say.
7: But I mean, obviously, big sister Helen is looking back last week, and we've since had developments with Alice. I mean, Helen was saying that she must become a responsible adult, and we saw that this week, didn't we? we
6: Eventually, st- yes. Yeah, the, yeah. The, it's, it's The dynamic of the whole week. She's yeah.
7: starting to realise what she has to do to get her herself together, and... Amy was a huge, huge asset in that. I thought she played the blinder this mm. week uh, and showed us all how it should be done. So hats off to to Amy in the playground. And Alice used all the strategies and they just about got her through it. So, and at the end of the week, of course, she's asking Jenny, "Look, I need to, I need something to fill my time." So, mm. I think we've seen some progress, Helen. But you're quite right, she needed to to, to, to um, assume some responsibility.
6: She absolutely did. But thank you so much yes. for calling back, Big thank Sister you. Helen. We we'll look look forward to your next call. And we'll have some more of your calls in a moment. But if you're listening to this thinking, I'd like to record a message and I wonder how I should do it, here's how.
7: Yes as as we always say Philippa what makes this podcast are you the people that's why we call it the people's podcast so whether you are a a first time caller runnerer like Millie, Molly Mandy was just now or occasional or even a very regular caller runnerer we love hearing from you so the best way for you to record a message or a plot prediction is to go to speakpipe.com forward slash dumpty dum and there is a link in the show notes as well
6: Oh, and just while I think about it, you may have noticed a slight change in the podcast image, the logo. Um, We were advised that, sadly, the old logo, while it's uh, fed us very well for many years, is no longer fit for purpose in the podcast world. So we had to do a a quick bit of uh, thinking and we came up with a new sort of community, fun, bunting design. Hope you like it.
7: We have been reduced to what we really are, cartoon characters, yeah? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
6: I can't bear to look at the one with me, but it's all fine. Anyway, back to our calls. Next, we have Witherspoon, who is reflecting on what happened to Alice this week.
13: Hey, baby, I hear the
1: blues are calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs.
2: Mercy. (laughs) Greetings, Philippa Quentin and all Dumpty Dumbers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. Angus is a little worse for the wear, having had a little too much to drink for his 12th birthday celebration this week. And that brings us back to Alice. Last week, I noted that she was hoping for a much better 2022, but the first few days of the new year have been quite challenging for her. There's been a lot of debate on the socials about how Chris handled things with Alice, and I'm giving him a big thumbs down. I found him to be like a petulant child. He clearly still has no understanding of the disease of alcoholism and just expects to play happy families with Alice and Martha. He accused Alice of making it all about her, but I thought he was making it all about him. I thought that Alice handled that first conversation with Chris on Sunday well. Then on Tuesday, Chris ambushed Alice and acted like a boy who wanted to take his ball away and go home. He treated Alice with no empathy and, again, no understanding of alcoholism and the needed treatment. Suck it up, Chris, and just deal with the separation. As an aside, I've learned from fellow dumpty-dummers about the much-needed changes in the divorce law that's coming down the pipe soon. Anyway, as we expected... All that threw Alice for a loop, and Amy came to the rescue. It was a gripping scene between the two of them. And kudos to Amy, who many have disparaged. I agree with Quentin. I like the dull but competent and nice people of Ambridge. Maybe becoming a substance abuse counselor will be Amy's new calling. And kudos to Alice for holding on to Dare life, Calling her "quote unquote" buddy, who I was I will assume is her AA sponsor, and then reaching out to her friend Amy, referencing my call last week. We just had a small window into Alice's treatment. We all anticipated a crisis in her sobriety, and I'm glad that she dodged a bullet. Talk to you soon.
7: Oh, thank you, with the spoon. I'm just a bit that he agrees. Um, he's a, he's become a club member of the
6: uh, Club, Delbert
7: Decent Gang. <laughs> yep, good on him. I mean, this was this week was ready made for, for Witherspoon, wasn't it? <laughs> All the um, twists to do with you know people's psychology and so forth. And
6: Amy was um, good, though, wasn't she? Suddenly, she,
7: brilliant.
6: She sounded more animated. She was help, She she was much more helped than I'd have been in that situation. So I have to hand it to her.
7: Her professionalism came through, didn't it? Her, her nursing, and her empathy came through.
6: Yeah, yes, and control and Very using the right calm. words and just
3: meeting non, Alice at yeah, her Non-judgmental, level. supportive.
7: Uh, Paula yeah. Harris tweeted, uh, love the scene between Amy and Alice where she empowered Alice to make the right decision. A difficult listen, but beautifully written and played. I quite agree with mm. that, Paula. Um, but the Chris-Alice dynamic has caused risks on social media. Ambridge Pony Club... Uh, she's a, a, a Chris supporter. She said he's, he's had to go through hell, be very frightened about the baby, try to keep working, no support, no therapy, no explanation as to what's happened to him. And coming right back, it was Adam Hickford. who says, uh, Chris doesn't have to wait for the system to fix him though. Did rehab really not give him any contacts? He's now proved that mm-hmm. he has the vague ability to Google but hasn't found Al-Anon. And that chimes a lot with us when it's saying that he was, just uh, acting like a petulant child, still has no understanding of alcoholism and what's required, and hasn't sought support himself. So um, it it did split people, but I think on the whole, people were a bit taken aback by the way Chris behaved, especially ambushing, as Witherspoon says, Alice in front of Lillian. That was strange, wasn't it?
6: I feel sorry for Chris. I'm not excusing it. Uh, look, I think there are no winners in this. It, it's like it's like a death, and, and you're mourning the relationship that you had. But for Chris, the person is still there. So it's a very weird situation for him to be in. It doesn't seem like he's getting the support. Um, he may be of the view that you don't go for help, you don't go for therapy, you know, some very old fashioned ways of looking at it, and just see that you know, Alice almost it's a medical condition. So she gets the treatment but Chris isn't getting that support Uh, uh, I feel for both of them you know first of all my notes that I wrote down were oh Chris and then I wrote down oh Alice I just thought that's helpful it's yeah there you go (laughs) you see you can rely on me Quentin astounding commentary I know
7: As has been observed by a number of people, of course, the law is changing. We think around about the 6th of April, although that hasn't confirmed Mm. yet, um, when no-fault divorce comes into effect in England and Wales. So (laughs) if he'd done his homework, he could have spared all this and said, well, let's hang on till April and there'll be no fault.
6: I had to say to Sean, my husband, today, uh, I am googling the divorce law changes, but don't worry, it's nothing to do with you. It's just research for the archers, and he just looked yeah. at me and sort of sighed. Well, that's funny.
7: Brenda Selwyn clarified this point for us about when the the, the, the law is changing, and she refers to Oh Christopher Carter because <laughs> she was concerned her husband is also called Chris might get the wrong end of the stick.
6: Yes, absolutely. No, it's just, just research. Uh, absolute just research. research, yes,
7: yes. So um and and happy twelfth uh, birthday to Angus Haggis. Was that a was that absolutely. him for real or a sound effect? I think he was real, wasn't it?
6: Oh no, I think that was that I was actually heard actually, from yeah, Angus at last. Birth, yes. hey. Fabulous, fabulous. And uh, with a spoon, a great call as always. But now we must go to Claire from Clapham, who is worried about Mike.
10: Hi Dumpty Dum, it's Claire from Clapham here, and this week I'm asking, what's going on with Mike? I mean, he just seems so different from what I would expect of him. You know, he was such a stalwart at the village, and he and Vicky, they had their um, challenges, but, um, you know, they were really tight, and I don't know what's going on with their relationship, and I'm really worried about them. I'm sorry that we haven't heard from Vicky because I think I quite liked Vicky. I mean, she started out a bit annoying and then, you know, became a bit of a, uh, I don't know, a heart of the village, really, a bit like Joy is doing in the last couple of years. And I think it's very cold of Mike to just be continually staying away without even referring to how Vicky feels about it. That doesn't seem like Mike at all. Um that's not the mic I knew, I don't think. So, yeah, a bit worried about that. And um, interesting this week what happened with Alice nearly having a slip, not having a slip, and how Amy dealt with it. Um, clearly they are you know becoming bosom buddies again. Um, I was surprised when Alice said about going back to work at the farm. So I thought this was going to be the moment when she – seamlessly moved on to start working with the horses, inspired by Amy working with dogs, Um, which I think is what we're all expecting, isn't it? But, um, yeah, interesting. I don't know how she'll get on with Stella. That's going to be interesting. Um, I imagine Stella has um, every reason to give Alice pretty short shrift where her family would have coddled her. So uh, I'm not quite sure that going back to work is what she needs, but there you go. Uh, We shall see. Anyway, Hello to all Dumpty Dummies, and I'll speak to you again soon.
6: Bye. Oh, thanks, Claire. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, How will Alice get on with Stella? Interesting. I hadn't even thought about that i don't know i love hearing mike back i really do i'm confused that he's giving these gifts of selfless acts and ambridge's return is giving him the gift of diabetes but never mind um clearly he's eating the sausage rolls as well i hope that he does stay and that then vicky the the whole family follows i hope that i know it's wishful thinking but that's what i'm hoping for
7: he's trying to keep away from vicky the food that man is consuming. <laughs> chicken. He has a rabbit pie for lunch at the bull, followed by a chicken Jalfrazy curry for supper. Have
6: you ever heard someone say the word Jalfrazy like that? It's like He's it's salivating, isn't it? he? Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's
7: unbelievable. It, it, but, I mean, I'm concerned that they're trying to write him out by just killing him with food. <laughs> he's going to keel over. He's always eating. Have you noticed? <laughs> Especially every scene he's now eating. Um, that's my worry, and she's worried about him and Vicky. So am I. As was Rob. I, I don't think all is happy back in Birmingham.
6: But I think, as well as Stephen said, it's a way of introducing us back to Mike's relationship with different people, and that's often done through, you know, through food. So maybe it's just a, a plot trick.
7: No, he's just greedy. He's just really greedy. And I don't know if you saw on, on our Facebook page that um, somebody's uh, Richard Beveridge, who we are hearing from later has found a post that uh, the actor Terry Malloy is 75. He plays Mike, and he's best known to classic Doctor Who fans as the 80s incarnation of the Dalek creator Davros, a role he has successfully returned to on several occasions. So there you go. When you see Davros... That's Terry Malloy, apparently.
6: So is he time travelling to uh, as a way of dieting or something like that?
7: Yeah, I think he's going back in time, isn't he, to when people gorged?
6: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Claire, that was a that was a great call. And now we must go on to Brian, who is confused.
9: Hello, all. it's Brian. Happy New Year. Sorry if this is a bit rambly today because I try and get in before the cutoff and I haven't had much time to think about what i'm going to say i think we're all relieved that alice didn't go over uh, relapse completely and her techniques worked i can't really say more about that because i don't i don't have enough knowledge about that to make a comment really um but i think i'm just everyone's happy that didn't happen i am confused about their divorce situation though every time either chris or alice will say oh we should get a divorce marriage is over then as soon as one of the other one says, "Oh well, that's actually go ahead with it," that freaks the other one out, and I, I just cannot work out. It seems to happen about four times now between one of them says, "Well, oh, you should get divorced." Okay, then, and then it's, "Well, why do you want to get divorced? We don't want to do this yet." Well, very confusing. I don't understand it. And I uh, think that's about all I've got to say really this week. Have a happy New Year, for everybody. I'm glad. I'm glad the mysteries are over. At least that's one that we, we can stop worrying about those anymore. Okay, nice talk to you. Bye bye. <laughs> yeah.
7: Brian wasn't a happy mysteries man, was he? He phoned <laughs> in about that a few weeks ago, tearing his hair out. So, um, yes, it's it's full steam ahead now. Brian, free of free of uh, the mysteries until uh, is, is there talk of an Easter production? Oh, Paul Brian, he won't be in a coat, will he? Uh, um, one point that. Cause a great deal of consternation was the smashing of the vodka bottles uh, that Mm. um, Alice and Amy went through. Did they smash them in the playground bin, or was that a bottle bank? In most, yeah, I had the impression it was the playground bin.
6: And it sounded the way it sort of echoed around. That sounded like a a a bottle bin. I thought they don't make that noise. I thought, well, not that I've stood there in a playground throwing bottles of vodka.
7: It's smashing bottles in a playground is not on, if that was the no, case.
6: No, I'm no. sure it's not.
7: Well, a lot of people are not so sure, Philippa, so... yeah.
6: Oh dear, yes, I mean, we, I think... You need the, to
7: analyse that sound effect.
6: Uh, yes, you can rely on me. I will go back and... I am, uh, well, if I... I'm if surprised I you
7: there. hadn't. I'm a little disappointed because that not Because for hadn't me, actually.
6: it just sounded like it was in a bottle bank. I just think they needed to say that. I but, thought it
7: was bottle bank until yeah, I saw the, the post...
6: Yeah, the noise it made for me was bottle back. I can't believe we're having this discussion. Anyway. Um, oh,
7: we had a long discussion about bloody where you store your bloody eggs last week.
6: So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <strange. laughs> uh, you know, talking about what's normal or not, I, I think Chris is fixated on normal and he it's just not going to work. When he started trying to kiss Alice, oh, oh I just squirmed. I just thought, no, it's... it's mm. It, it's quite wrong but uh yeah I agree Brian they they have kept talking about the divorce I thought they were getting divorced and then they weren't and now they are and uh, I suppose it shows the journey of a divorce that often it's not just decision made and that's it but there are several acts to the to the play
7: but we had Chris's incredibly quick acceptance of the divorce didn't we mm. before Christmas which I yeah. found was really odd. It's just like, okay, yes, we're going we're to have a divorce. Yeah, okay, it's fine. I think he was just, just
6: humoring her. I don't think so. They seem thing all... to get, but I think he thought, oh, if things get better, if if she looks at me a certain way, I'll take that as something well, else.
7: I, I found all that extremely un, unrealistic. That writing, the way that uh, it was all sort of done and dusted. That yeah, we're going to get a divorce, We accept it, and um, we're all going to be. Buzz and buddies as well, so everything's fine. Now he's looking for engravings in trees and trying to kiss her and
6: wanting a quickie divorce. I, I'm confused, Brian. Actually, the more I think about it, I'm with you. I'm completely confused. <laughs> well, we need to go straight on to Glynn who is breathing a sigh of relief that something is over.
14: Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glynn here. Happy New Year to all in Dumpty Dum land. Uh, I caught up on the mysteries this week, both parts... And I thought they were pretty good. Certainly well worth a listen. Um, maybe not for me as good as the Canterbury Tales uh, two or three years ago. But, you know, certainly worth investing the time in. Um, but, there is a but. Um, they have, for me, sucked the life out of the December episodes We of the Archers. We got the sort of repetitive storylines about how a village show was going to be a disaster and then it wasn't. And it did seem to me that much of um, December on the archers was taken up by being a, an extended trailer for the mystery plays um, broadcast over Christmas and the new year. Um, right. So anyway, Mona over um, on to recent events. Um, well, uh, to sort of pick up on my point, I think the plot lines have improved in the last couple of weeks and, um, certainly much more interesting around alice's uh continuing alcoholic uh, alcohol problems struggles with alcoholism well done alice well done amy this week but what is happening with mike tucker um what is this mania for fixing things and for decorating and for doing it solely for lemon drizzle cake um i, just, I can't i can't make it out um not sure what's going on there um he uh, doesn't oh yeah and the two dinners yes two dinner mike um there is definitely something happening is it is mike um indulging in a load of distraction activity is he ill i hope we find out soon thanks for the podcast and keep safe everyone bye
6: Oh, Glenn! thank you so much for your call. Love love your calls. And uh, yes, you're glad the mysteries are over. I just have a question. What happened on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day? Normally there's some gossip. We've not had any gossip at all. (laughs) Did anything happen on New Year's Eve? Did anything happen on New Year's Day? Who was partying at whose house? No gossip. Very sad.
7: You still want this illicit affair, don't you?
6: It doesn't have to be. It doesn't well, yeah, okay. It would be nice to have is a fair He's but it's just now. what happened? There's no mention of, of well, nobody the went COVID. out, did they? It was COVID. Yeah, but this is Ambridge. So COVID true. doesn't happen now.
7: True, true. Um Glim, we've touched really already on, on the mic issue. I'm as perplexed as you are and concerned about his food consumption. Um and you're right, the plot lines have improved over the past two weeks, again, mainly through through Alice, I suppose Rory as well. Um, and yeah, when you step back, you do realize that really December was an extended trailer for those two big performances. It did, it did dominate. As I said before, I I decided to adopt the mindset of just going with the flow. Otherwise I'd have six weeks of utter misery. So I went with it and I thought the final performances were fantastic, but they were over-egged, I grant you, and overshadowed everything. But I think we're back on track. Yeah. Do you think so, Philippa?
6: I do, yeah. Thank you, Glynn. That was just a a great call. But before we finish talking about the mysteries, we do need to go to Richard, who has an in-depth look at them.
13: Hello, everybody. Richard Beveridge here, Biffo Prop on the Twitters. Hope you're all well. I wanted to talk a little about the mysteries, which I approached over the Christmas period with some trepidation. What I heard was two well-acted, well-scripted dramas, which contained just enough tongue-in-cheek references to um, The Archers and to uh, Ambridge, but also to remind us that for a thousand years these plays have been put on by locals and played to their neighbours. I also liked the um, elements of Ambridge crossover in them, but also the dialogue in the Passion narrative, for instance, the visceral nature of crucifixion as a process, and the fact that the torture battalion didn't care who they were nailing up. I liked particularly the Passion Grace notes, of playing St Andrew, our own patron of Scotland, playing Scotland's patron, and also the bread-making at the Annunciation, reminding us that Bethlehem's translation is the City of Bread, and that Mary Magdalene at the Resurrection doesn't recognise Jesus. What it showed us also was the excellent voice actors whose performances we are regularly spoilt with. David as Herod has been remarked on by Stephen and by others, but I thought the standout actress was Molly Pipe playing the Blessed Virgin in the Nativity. I also enjoyed towards the end of The Passion that it, the uh, setting was the churchyard, reminds us of the Easter Sunday liturgy that says, Why seek ye the dead among the living? And I liked, as the characters reverted to their ambridge personae, the passing of the flame, very evocative of the exultet at the Easter vigil when all candles are lit from the paschal candle. A lovely listen all together. A happy and holy and blessed 2022 to you all, especially Philippa's dad. Tickety-tong.
7: <laughs> Thank you, Richard. That's one of those calls where you just really can't add anything. <laughs> um, I've just... Learned loads from that call, Richard, and I'm glad that um, we chime on certain observations. I thought it was, as I said already, very well acted and well scripted. I thought the crucifixions scenes—I use the same word as you—were visceral. It made me stop, actually, and I'm glad you reminded me of they've been going a thousand years. You forget that, and it's still very, very still powerful, and. Uh, I didn't know Bethlehem, or maybe I've forgotten that it means the city of bread. I love all those sorts of details. I agree with you about Molly Pipe, the way she portrayed Mary. And I thought Harrison, I forget his, uh, his real name, sorry, his portrayal of Jesus was mm. very convincing. Mm. I really enjoyed his performance. Very compelling. Thank you for your insights, Richard, and uh, have a fantastic 2022 as well.
6: Yeah, uh, I don't think I can add add to that i mean it was just such a, an a eloquent call so much information um and uh, i love the tinkety tonk at the end and of course richard my father sent his best to you richard a great call and and finally we need to go to sarah from smithick who has views on amy
12: hiya it's sarah from smithick here well what a couple of episodes for alice this week I think she might be right about going back to work because I feel that part of her problem stems from her not being able to realise her potential professionally. Wasn't sure all set to have some big job in America, but had to give it up because of Chris. Having a career curtailed strikes me as having an impact on her confidence. And finally, an actual purpose has been found for Amy. That's supporting Alice rather than her new dog walking gig. I'm not sure that, that seems like the most viable business proposition. The only two dog owners I can think of in the village, Lillian and Linda, would seem to be the type to take on that responsibility themselves. I do have some secondhand insight into this from an aunt who runs a similar venture, which took a massive nosedive during lockdown when no one was going anywhere. And any uh, doggy people uh, taking UK-based breaks would, would you know, seek out places that took dogs. Far more feasible, however, sounds like the return of Mike to fill the handyman role left by the void of Philip. Well, you know, I'm feeling must have been brought back for some reason rather than just like a bit of a nostalgic guest reappearance. Anyway, that's my two pence. terrara bits.
6: Terara bit Sarah. Another sensational call, as always, and this. Point about Amy's dog walking business, you're absolutely right. She's setting it up somewhere where no one commutes anywhere so I just don't see how it's going to work apart from farm dogs unless,
7: unless you're unless you're Adam
6: yeah well of course you can't do that anymore <laughs> the stress he's having to commute to bridge farm I mean my goodness he must have to pack a picnic to get there but apart from farm dogs there's only yeah the couple of dogs what is going on she's she's not going to be too stressed I suppose that's one way of looking at it
15: that's true isn't it there's so
7: few dogs in such a rural setting. It's been mentioned before, hasn't it? Mm. Where are the dogs? Uh, we'll have to bring in uh, Angus Haggis from New York, I think.
6: <laughs> Sarah, thank you for your call. That, that was wonderful.
7: Yes, like, like Sarah from Smethwick, uh, do get your calls, emails and texts in by just before noon on Sunday as we record at midday UK time. Although, sorry, Philippa, I'm off again next weekend, so apologies. <laughs> the deadline is Saturday, 2 p.m., this week okay (laughs) remember you need to be 18 or over to submit any views or comments
6: we are going back to normal then aren't we please tell me last for a bit (laughs) oh no i've got
7: to tell you about another diary change no
6: no i can't go anyway i need i can't go with that i need to have a life beyond (laughs) let's think about a poem because we've had annie contact us with a poetic summary of this week in ambridge and it goes like this The archers went out for a shopping day and Pat bought Susan's coat from the mystery plays. Then they sat down to watch Natasha's favourite film, which Tony thought was rather bilge. Meanwhile, Chris went down on one knee, which Alice thought surprising as can be. Later on, Lillian shut her eyes while Chris said his goodbyes. For Alice nearly lost the will, but Amy was called and the drink was spilled in the playground. And Alice declared that she'd lost herself, but now she was found. What what a poem! Well done, Annie. Great way to end the contribution. I've
7: just seen an opportunity there. Should we just get her to write a poem every week to review the week, Same no, me scripting it? That's oh, your
6: okay. that's your homework. <laughs> Thank you for all your calls and poem. We we love them. Do keep them coming. And so to Facebook. What has our Dumpty Dum group talked about this week? Let's find out as we sit back for the roundup of the goings on in the Dumpty Dum Facebook group with our Sue.
15: Hello my lovelies, Suey here, Queen or Tart on the Twitters with the social media roundup for the first full week of January. We're going for a short but sweet roundup today as there's so much else going on and not that much to be excited about on the actual programme. There was the mystery plays, what kind of blouses Underwoods has got in stock, why is Mike Tucker staying so long and how unbelievably whiny Pat and Tony can be. Rob Williams shared a picture of himself in the 1970s looking, well... Shall we say very much of the time? I think Underwoods is probably still there, back in the 1970s, to be honest. There was much discussion of the sartorial elegance of bell-bottoms, who knew there could be so many pictures of Margaret Thatcher in pussycat blouses. Do you think Lillian would have worn them when she was with Matt? Mm. All is not well at Bridge Farm. Sarah Forrester says that Pat is beginning to make Ursula look nice. Natasha must feel so unwanted. The moaning minis were singled out particularly over their coffee choices and their lack of assertiveness. Sarah Passingham said, I think they're using moaning about their favourite coffee as a bonding exercise. Possibly they also think coffee is a safe diversion from their real moan, which is that they don't like Natasha. But they are too loyal to Tom to admit it even to themselves. There was a lovely exchange between Paula Fombie and Anne Charles. Paula said, most surprising was that they like a cappuccino with extra sprinkles. I would have had them down for Ness Cafe. Whereas Anne replied, they would absolutely be a boycott family. Pat wouldn't have Nestle in the house. Fair trade and organic instant, surely. And Paula agreed, true. Whatever would allow them to be both self-righteous and self-abnegating at the same time. Ah, oh my goodness, that's so true. That gave me a laugh. I'm hoping next week that we get some juicy details about why Mike isn't going home. It was lovely to see the pictures of him as Davros that Richard Beveridge posted, linked to a lovely article about his Terry Malloy's 75th birthday. Anyway, I know that is a mere snippet of the social media content this week, but it's all there, ready for you to dip into. Stay safe and well, my lovelies, and I'll talk to you in a few weeks.
6: Thank you, Sue, and to everyone who's posted their thoughts on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group, you would be very welcome to join us there if you haven't done so already.
7: We're also on Twitter, of course, under at Dumpty Dum. You'll see our team always include the Archers hashtag. They use a capital T and A so the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers-based tweets. Please also try and include at Dumpty Dum in your tweet. It means more people get to see it and it helps to keep our community growing.
6: As well as at Dumpty Dum, we're both on Twitter. I can be found at QuickBookReview Review with a three, not a W. What about you, Quentin?
7: You'll find me at Thirteen Minute Man. That's one three minute man.
6: So now it's time to crown our tweeters of the week.
7: Yes, three good ones. In on the bronze podium is Sally Ronaldson at Millon Fred. And it's one about Alice. And it goes like this. I named this ship the This Just Isn't Me Anymore. <laughs> as she, as she attached a photo of a Bottle of champagne smashing against a <laughs> hole. So, <laughs>
13: very good.
7: Let's hope that's the case. Uh, in silver position, a good friend of this podcast is Stephen Bowden at Wenlock House. Hazzup, as in Penny Hazzup? Nice one. <laughs> good playing words there, Stephen. Gets you a silver. Yeah,
6: it's Bravo. But
7: in gold position is Vanessa Saxton at Bobby Dog. She said, sat in Waitrose Car Park listening to the archers. Can I get more middle class? <laughs>
13: oh those are great
7: gold to you Vanessa well done now just a reminder that next week we're recording on Saturday afternoon that's my fault again so calls in by 2pm on Saturday and from then on we will be back to normal on Sundays for a bit Uh, honestly we do appreciate your patience with this and sorry for all the changes I mean I need a life beyond dumpty dum so do you
6: no you don't it's not possible I'm sorry that's not happening anyway we need to say our (laughs) thanks we need to thank the wonderful Stephen Fry who was so generous with his time and company we can't wait to have him back and to Rob Millie Molly Mandy Dusty Substances Big Sister Helen Witherspoon Claire from Clapham Brian Glynn Richard and Sarah from Smethwick for their calls Stephen Bowden for his tune and annie mccarthy for her poem
7: thanks also to our social media supremos cosmo for his podcast roundups Shambridge, Oh, for her Mm. outstanding array of brilliant voices this week. And to our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman and Roy Phil Brown.
6: So what will be revealed next week? Will Amy's new business venture double its clients when she manages to find one other dog to walk in Ambridge? Will Chris be hired as a children's party entertainer, elephant impressions included? Will Susan force Adam into a tabard with the word trainee sewn onto it? And will Linda pause for more than two seconds before launching her next dramatic episode? Enterprise. All will be revealed next week, but for now it's a thank you for listening and a bye-bye from me.
7: And don't forget, Hazel's back next week. In the meantime, I'm off to slap on a coat of muted flint. Bye-bye.